Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 60 on the rebound? This has nothing to do with high school sweethearts. <laughs> this is Israel wondering what happened, but by the grace of God coming back. So let's look at it. First of all, sorrow, sorrowful crying, grief, lamentation over the apparent judgment of God. For the conductor, according to Shushan, that's, uh, it's in the singular there, it's in the plural elsewhere, a a lily of testimony. That's interesting, isn't it? According to a lily of testimony, I've seen various uh, interpretations of that. It's, it's, it's kind of without interpretation in the sense that since it's a musical thing, it could have been a six-stringed instrument because the lily and the number that's associated with the lily. Also in other places, even in the Old Testament, a lily was representative of a rejoicing warrior. Well, it's a psalm about a battle, so could be that. If we take it that way, the warrior must rejoice. It's a michthum of David. It's a contemplative, deep thinking, teaching psalm of David. But it has that last, well, it's the last word in the Hebrew up there, but it, it's for training or for teaching. You and I need to be taught and Soldiers, warriors needed to be taught. There's a good lesson here within this uh, passage. Now remember, I'm, I'm coming from the Hebrew and I'm one or two verses ahead of you uh, all the way through. I think, I'm, I think I have 14 verses and you may have 12, something like that. But it's the same stuff. It's just numbered differently. So it's the... A mikhtam of David when he fought with Aram Naharaim, with Aram Zobah and Joab returned and killed 12,000 of Edom in the Valley of Saul. Now that, that's in 2 Samuel, eh, maybe chapter 8 and 1 Chronicles, somewhere around uh, chapter 18 or so. David hasn't been king very long, and he has finally brought all of the tribes together. But he's the new guy on the block. The surrounding kings and their kingdoms are not real secure about this, and so their idea is to go ahead and attack the new king, give him all kinds of trouble, and, and hopefully secure their particular kingdoms 
even more than, than what they were. So he goes to war. Interestingly, the Aram puts him in the, uh, in the area where our soldiers are right now, up around Iraq and, and all, right in there. So he's going after them. They're having already intimidated him, and you just didn't intimidate King David. He'd go after you. But, and David was a spiritual man, and he knew that if something went wrong, there was a spiritual reason. God has a reason for things. While he is at war, and he's concentrating here in the north, this would have been in Mesopotamia and in Syria, uh, from Iraq and to Syria. Moabites with Edomites attacked the underbelly of Israel. He's a new king, fairly new. He's all out. He's going in the name of Yahweh. He's, he's all out for the war. And so he's poured his resources into the, into the north where his enemies are, and they're threatening him. But the Edomites, along with Moabites, took the opportunity to invade the soft underbelly of Israel. And what few troops he had left there, apparently... Lost the battle. News came to him that while he is invading to the north, Edomites along with the Moabites are invading Israel from the south. So he knows there's something wrong here with this. Now, he dispatches Joab with a portion of his troops to go down and to fight the Edomites and to defend to the south, which he did. So Joab returned and killed 12,000 of the Edomites in the valley of the salt. That's along the border there where Edom bordered Israel. Elohim, you have cast us off. You have breached us. You've broken us down. Now the breach was made by the Edomites. But David understands the sovereignty of God. God wasn't asleep and let this happen. God knew this was happening. Something, something is wrong. So he goes right to God. Elohim. You've, you've breached us. You've broken us. You were angry with us. Restore us again. You made the earth to tremble. You broke the earth. Heal its breaches for its shaking, its trembling. You have shown your people hard things. You've made us to drink wine of confusion or, or astonishment. They weren't expecting this. This is an unexpected thing. You ever had bad things to happen to you unexpectedly? And you, you, you think, God in heaven. I didn't realize it, but I had this 
weakness. I had this soft underbelly and I have been attacked. And I've been attacked such that it has greatly affected me. It has negatively affected me. I'm hurting because of this. So what's the first thing a person does? David gives us the example. Goes right to God in prayer. God, I'm going to deal with this. Now that I'm made aware that I have this softness, this this flaw, I, I'm, I'm, I'm weakened in an area now that I know this, but before I can deal with it, I have to ask you to restore me. Give me back the confidence and the life that I had before. You're the one who does everything. You can even make the earth tremble. This breach would not have happened if you were not wanting to get our attention because something is wrong. These are hard things that you've shown us. Admittedly, we're confused and astonished. David had been on a roll. Great king, the Israelites, didn't matter if they were outnumbered, just didn't matter. They were winning the wars. This was not supposed to happen. We're confused. You've made us to drink the wine of confusion, bewilderment, astonishment. So he expresses his grief-stricken cry over the apparent judgment of God and the exposure of his weakness and the weakness of, of his nation. So he cries out for salvation. You have given those who fear you a banner that it might be displayed because of the truth, Silah, that your beloved should be delivered. Save with your right hand and hear me. The right hand is the hand of strength. The right hand is where the Christ of God is seated. The beloved David, he carries a covenant that nobody else had but David. And he, he cries for deliverance. You know, I can't sink into defeat like this because... Through your covenant, you've already delivered me. Now, that's the word of God. So if you look at, if you look at verse, my verse 6, I don't know what it is in yours. You have given those who fear you or who have reverential awe to you a banner. That's a standard that is lifted up. A standard for war, for fighting, for victory, that it might be displayed because of the truth. Can you imagine David? God guarantees that the son of David at the end of all things in the great kingdom, the son of David will be seated on the throne of David in Jerusalem. Well, they're not there yet. So this is the, this is the word of God. And he said, you know, 
We're going to have victory here because of the truth, not because of who we are, but because of who you are, not because of what we say, but because of what you say. So he stands in the truth. He prays, he stands in the truth, and he calls on God to deliver. He doesn't really he doesn't really recount how many soldiers he has, how many chariots. Matter of fact, if I remember the account correctly, when he defeats those that he'd been defeating, he hamstrings their horses. They're not going to be any good for drawing a chariot anymore. He, you know, he just, I don't need this stuff that the enemy used. These are not God's people. So he's, he's counting on the right hand of God and the listening ear of the one who initiated the covenant with him. So here comes the divine response. Elohim spoke in his holiness, his apartness. Now that his Elohim is different from us. <laughs> He's way yonder above us. I'm not even sure that's an appropriate term. We're who we are. He is who he is. His ways are not our ways. They're above our ways. He's above us. He's sovereign. He is absolute in his dealings with his own. So he calls out to a sovereign God. Elohim spoke from where he is and from who he is. And only he can say this kind of stuff because he's sovereign. Elohim spoke from his sovereignty. I will rejoice. Now he considers the land. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem. And I measure out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is the helmet for my head. That was up to the north. They were known for their good fighting ability. Judah is my lawgiver, my scepter, my administrator. David was from the tribe of Judah. This had been prophesied back in Genesis 49. Jacob said that a lawgiver, the scepter would not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his thighs until Shiloh comes. Peace giver, Shiloh. So the rule of authority, the, the scepter of the king, the one who would speak and it would be, you know, he rests that scepter on his inner thigh, sitting on the throne. And the king is called on to make decisions. There is no appeal beyond the king within a kingdom. He listens to the arguments or, or he listens to his counselors saying what should be done, what shouldn't be done. And he weighs all of everything that is said. And then he's going to speak. He takes the scepter and he raises it up. Now when he does that, everything that he says is law. The scribe now has to start writing because whatever he says, it's going to be that way from then on. That's his scepter. 
This is what he says. Jirdah is my lawgiver. Now we know that Christ, of course, descended from David, descended from Judah, is the king of kings. So he talks about his people and how important they are and how he takes note of them. But then he says, Moab is my wash pot. I will cast my shoe over Edom. In other words, Moab, come here and kneel down and wash my feet. Edom, when Moab takes my shoes off, my sandals, He's going to throw them in your direction. You go find them and put them where they belong. That's what he's saying. He's using, he's, he's using uh, metaphorical terminology. He's, he's using analogies here, comparisons that people would know. Moab will be humiliated. Edom will be humiliated. Philistia, shout in triumph because of me. They don't have... They don't have any hope of defeating the hosts of Yahweh by, by, the, by the direction and hand of David, guided and sent forth by Elohim. So Philistia doesn't have a hope. So they may as well join in the rejoicing over the sovereign power of Yahweh, of Elohim. I know who my people are. I know where they are. I've put them there. They have a purpose. I've assigned the purpose to them. I also know who my slaves will be, my servants, whom, who are defeated and taken into servitude. I know who they are as well. So here's a great cry for victory. Who will bring me to the fortified or the strong city? He who led me to Edom? Rhetorical question. Is it not you, Elohim, who has cast us off and who does not go forth, Elohim, with our armies? Give us help from trouble. Trouble for the help of man is useless. I can't depend on armies or generals or, or alliances with other nations. Those things are meaningless. Only you, Elohim. Elohim, we shall gather strength. For it is he who will trample down our enemies. The gamut is run here in the emotion of David the king, inspired by God to give a blow-by-blow -blow spiritual account of what is happening on the battlefield in the nation of Israel, in the heart and life of David, and in the whole world as well, at least the world that they knew at that time. Ephraim, Manasseh, Judah, Sukkot, Shechem, Moab, the Edomites, the Philistines, 
That was the world they knew. That was their world that they had to be immediately concerned with. And God was all over it. And they knew it so. Having had the soft underbelly exposed, the appeal to God was made. It was a great, it was a great test. You know, what's David going to do? God already knew. But David had to find himself in that whole thing. What's he going to do? Is he going to, is he going to get, he's a kind of a new king, kind of a young guy. Is he going to panic and, and go try to make an alliance with pagans? Or is he going to do what he's supposed to do and come right to me? Well, David did the right thing. He asked for God to heal the breaches. He asked for God to stand in his word. He asked for God to save and deliver according to his right hand, whom you and I know to be his Christ, the King of Kings, the final and great administrator, lawgiver of God's creation. We're going to stop there and we'll have our deacon prayer time.